A good Nerev Shabbos, everybody. Parashat Naso. Once again, the census is continuing, but moving now into the, the portion of the tribe of Levi. And the word of the parasha, Naso, means to lift up, to elevate, because when the counting takes place, each person is acknowledged, respected, appreciated, and included by the counting. And so we don't see counting simply as numbers. Each person is raised up to be part of the sacred community. The beginning of the parsha is the continuation of the Levite, the Levium tribe. The one section was counted last week, which was Gahat. And uh, this week we have the two other sections of the tribe, which is uh, Gershon and Merari. The beautiful thing here is there was no jealousy between those three sections of the Levium even though Kahat came first and they ought not have by genealogical age, but the work they were doing was deemed to be the holiest in terms of what they were carrying, the Mishkan, etc. And so therefore they were given priority. The beautiful thing is that each of them took their place sequentially. There was no mention of hatred, anger, animosity of any kind between them, which is echoed much later in the parsha when we come to the uh, priestly blessing, uh, which I will get to in just a moment. It's an amazing parsha with a very unusual collection of topics. Start off with the completion of the Mishkan, where the Levim are given their tasks, and then the 12 princes bring their uh, gifts and offerings. We uh, cover two very strange, very strange rituals, which is uh, Sota, the uh, woman who is suspected by the husband of being unfaithful, and... Um, of the Nazir, the Nazarite, and then we end with Birkata Koanin. Very strange collection. I want to suggest to you that as you look at it from the lens of the last word of the priestly blessing, I think you might get a sense of what the unif unifying theme is, which is precisely unification or wholeness. The uh, translators do a grave disservice when they translate the word shalom as peace. Peace is really the absence of war. Rather than anything positive, it really is what it isn't rather than what it is that defines peace. And the real meaning of shalom is actually wholeness, completeness. Uh, it comes from the word shalem, which is complete. So if we start with that, and we'll, we'll get back to it at the end. The next section, which is very important, is a section called Sota, uh, which deals with um, the concept of adultery. And a woman who is deemed to be or believed to be unfaithful by a husband goes through a complex procedure to determine if she's guilty or not. There are no witnesses and therefore it wouldn't, it wouldn't be a valid case in a Beit Din. But he has suspicions. And the Torah goes out of its way to enable, but it's done in such a way that its sole and certainly its main purpose is to restore peace, tranquility, and wholeness to the family. The process is a convoluted and, and complex process, um, basically some toxic, a spiritually toxic mixture is put together, including, by the way, the name of God, which is dissolved into this mixture, which she then drinks uh, before uh, the, the, the Kohen Gadol. And um, if she's guilty, then both she and the man with whom she had the relationship will have bad fates befall them. But if not, then she will be rejoice, rejoicing and return to full marital status with her husband. 
And my own skeptical view is that this was a method to enable a woman who had obviously behaved um, less than sneeristic, less than appropriately, but not yet clearly uh, having, you know, been witnessed doing anything inappropriate, give her a, a chance to come back and resume wholeness with her husband and to go through the process to do so. The wholeness of the family to be reconstituted by providing for a procedure which by objective standards um, would likely never have found anybody guilty. Also, obviously, there's a huge deterrent effect upon anybody who does such a thing to find out what could befall them if their uh, husband becomes suspicious. What's interesting about this is that God allows his name to be defaced, to be disappeared, to uh, go into literally into 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 dissolution, uh, in order to save the marriage. That's how powerful Shalom Bayit is. That God is willing to Himself take a back seat. Um, the Nazarite once again is a, a man or a woman who believes they need to remove themselves from society. And I kind of think of this as a spiritual rehab center to basically observe three new laws. Number one, they do not shave if it's a man. Number two, they uh, do not drink alcohol. And number three, they are not allowed to be close to a corpse. And I think that those three all represent the ability to elevate oneself spiritually and to get out of a funk or a depression or an addiction um, by focusing on what really counts. First of all, not shaving is a way to see visibly the passage of time. Every day, a man's beard grows a little more. And so better than a clock, which just keeps going round, um, the hair actually is a visible manifestation of the passage of time. And so you get to understand how valuable every moment is and how much it's important for you to take uh, charge of your life and seek to imbue every minute with value. Secondly, the absence of wine is simply because for clarity of thought, clarity of vision, and commitment to purpose, wine is really in many ways a deterrent. And finally, death, because you can see death in a very destructive way, almost as a, as a license to, to abandon everything. Because if all that awaits you is death, um, what's the point? And if you're in a skeptical or depressed or uh, addictive mood or mode, um, you might view death as the permission to go ahead with the life that you were leading. And so those together enable people to get out of where they were and to, in a relatively short period, the minimum is as little as 30 days, um, to get back into a spiritual mode and uh, use that as a propulsion to live a life that you think is more appropriate. Then comes the priestly blessings, Birkat Kohanim, the blessing whereby channeling the spiritual powers through the Kohanim, the people of Israel are blessed by the Kohanim uh, with the very famous Yivarechicha Hashem, uh, a blessing that is familiar to us. It is also the blessing that we give to our children on Friday nights. Just a couple of comments on the blessing. Uh, it is a blessing that's addressed to individuals rather than to the nation. Yivarechicha Hashem, you individually, personally should be blessed, Avish and so on. And so we see over here that although each of us 
is part of the Jewish people. Each of us has our own need for, request for, and a receipt of customized, personalized blessings. There's no group blessing. Of course, there are community issues and the community as a whole needs to and is blessed, but there are individual blessings as also. And this particular series of blessings of the Kohanim deals with individual blessings to be taken by each one of us as a personal assurance that uh, all will be well. Um, the uh, three sentences go in increasing order, representing a very important Jewish numbers. The first sentence is three words. The second sentence is five words. And the third sentence is seven words. All of those are very, very important numbers in many places in uh, Jewish tradition. And the climax, uh, I believe, I think these are increasingly robust and meaningful messages. The climax is the very last word that God should give us, shalom, which means peace, but it's much more than that. Peace is also wholeness. Shalom is also wholeness. Um, and, um, and so shalom is shlemut, and uh, shalom is internal peace, external peace. It's a very powerful place for a Jew to be, and to be blessed with that is, is extraordinary. And it's also the blessing, as I'd said earlier, that we give on Friday nights. Um, Ephraim and Menashe are, are the introduction that we use for that. And uh, so that, that's a, a very interesting, because once again, we see that Ephraim and Menashe were two brothers where there was no jealousy and uh, no favoritism. Each one did what their particular strengths and their lives were directed to, and they existed uh, alongside each other, pretty much the same as I mentioned earlier when it came to the three families within the Livium. The Parsha ends where each of the 12 tribes brings identical blessings on 12 su successive days. They bring their own particular sacrifices and offerings, um, which today might be considered prayer, and uh, each one offers their offering. Uh, and what, what's so incredible is every tribe offered the same thing exactly, and yet the Torah does not say on the succeeding 12 days each tribe took a day in sequence and they presented the following. That would be how most of us would describe this. Instead of saying on day one, this tribe produces this, and on day two, this tribe produces this, and on day three, this tribe produces this, and on, you know, it seems on the face of it to be very tedious. It's a very long parsha, the longest parsha in the entire Torah. Uh, and it's almost twice the length of the average Parsha. And a large reason for this excessive length compared to others is this repetition in great detail of every tribe's offering. And I think the lesson for us is very profound. Each of us needs to do our own offerings, our own prayers, our own religious observance. And we have to do our offerings and our prayers in a way that reflects who we are, what we give, what we need, and, and, and our relationship, our own relationship with our faith. I think the lesson that we can learn, and there are many, is that to God and to, in fact, the community, everything given counts and needs to be specified and separated and acknowledged. And grouping gratitude is not the way Jews do anything ever. We believe in separation and, and drawing distinctions and keeping things so that we can appreciate every element. And uh, I think that is critical as we, uh, as we go forward. 
to uh, realize, first of all, that the blessings the Kohan gave us earlier in the parsha are personal, individualized, customized, and the prayers we offer are also personalized, individualized, and customized. And let us hope that the prayers we offer and the blessings we receive are what we want exactly. And with that uh, hopeful thought, I wish everybody a Shabbat Shalom.